Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God that we meditate upon this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 1 to 13. Then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus answered them, began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled. For such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. For whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now a brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. This last Friday, just a couple days ago, uh, myself and the confirmation kids drove down to Milwaukee for a field trip. We went down and saw some of the historic churches in that area, and maybe some other time I can tell you about the beautiful stained glass and architecture and some beautiful singing that we heard as well. But for today, the important thing is the drive down there. As you can imagine, on the way down there, we saw lots of signs. And these signs were of different kinds. But of most importance were two specific types of signs. Those signs that are usually posted along the side of the road, which tell you how much further you have to go. 40 miles to Milwaukee, 30 miles to Milwaukee. When I was a kid, we used to watch those signs very carefully. We wanted to know how much further we had to go, how much longer we had to stay in the car before we finally got to our destination. Those are very important to us as kids. Now as an adult, however, especially as the one driving, another type of sign is more important. The type that is up above the road telling you which way you're supposed to go. This way to Milwaukee, this way to Madison. The signs showing you which way to go are more important. You don't necessarily need to know how far, right? It's sometimes nice, but you don't really need to know it. But you do need to make sure you know which way is the right way. In our text, Jesus talks about signs. What kind of signs is he talking about? Unfortunately, many people don't really stop to consider that question and just assume that when Jesus is talking about signs of his coming, that he's talking about mileage signs. How much further? How much longer? Very naturally, like children, 
That's the question that we often ask. How much longer, Dad? We ask the Father that too, right? How much longer do we have to suffer on this earth? But Jesus doesn't give us an answer to that question. He does give us an answer to which way is the right way. The signs that Jesus talks about in our text are not mileage signs telling us how much longer or how much farther. They're the other kind, the road signs, telling us this way. Make sure you turn left here. Don't turn right. Jesus himself makes that very clear in our text. If you look right away at the beginning at verse 5, chapter 13, verse 5, when Jesus begins to talk, the first thing he says in this conversation to his disciples is, take heed that no one deceives you. The purpose of what he's going to tell them, his purpose is that his disciples and us as well are not deceived. That is, that we don't take the wrong road, that we stay on the right road. The signs he's telling us are those road signs, this way, not this way. He continues to show us that throughout, there are numerous passages throughout our text, like verse 9, watch out for yourselves. Again, his goal, his purpose is that we keep an eye out on the road signs to know which way to go, not necessarily how much longer we have to do. And even the last verse of our text, verse 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. That is to say, the person who listens to the word and is not going the wrong way, but remains, endures, stays on the road of God's grace and Christ's forgiveness. Jesus is clear that the signs he speaks of in our text are road signs, showing us this way, not this way. But of course, there are other verses which make it quite clear that they're not mileage signs. For example, Jesus says, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. Or again, in Peter, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. That is to say, it will come when we are least expecting it. We don't know when it's going to be. We don't know when a thief is going to come and try and steal from us. We don't know when Jesus is coming. How long... How much longer, Father? Right? That's what we want to know. But what Jesus tells us is not how much longer we are here, how much longer we have to go, but what is the right way. The signs of Jesus' coming are there to remind us that, yes, he is coming. What are these signs? Well, first of all, in our text, Jesus talks about wars and rumors of wars. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There are some individuals, and maybe you, you know some, maybe you've experienced this, uh, maybe we are some of these people. There are some individuals who sometimes get kind of caught in what I might call a what-if cyclone. What if our car breaks? What if our tire goes flat? What if there's a blizzard and we get stuck in the snow and we have no food? And what if we have no blankets and our cell phones stop working and then we die because we can't call, right? And just on and on, what if, what if, what if? Sometimes people get in that mindset and they, it's almost like they can't stop asking, what if this, what if that? <clears throat> those who aren't in the cyclone, oh, those who are kind of standing out the, on the outside trying to reassure those people, don't worry. What do we say? We often are... We often respond, well, don't worry, don't be troubled, that, that's not going to happen. There's a little snow outside today, but it's not going to be a blizzard, right? That's, that's not really something we have to worry about. Jesus kind of takes a different tact in our 
gospel reading here in our sermon decks, doesn't he? Wars, rumors of wars, but Jesus says, don't be troubled, not because they're not going to happen. He says, don't be troubled because they are going to happen. That sounds a little odd. Yeah, that's what we're worried about, Jesus. That's why we're worried. We're worried that they're going to happen. Why, Why is that something not to be troubled about? But it's something not to be troubled about because Jesus has told us that they are going to happen. And more than that, Jesus has told us these are the signs of his coming. When you're driving down to Milwaukee, you're not troubled if your destination is Milwaukee. You're not troubled if you see signs from Milwaukee. You're troubled if you stop seeing signs from Milwaukee, right? And there's no longer any signs from Milwaukee, and all of a sudden there's signs for Madison or Portage or, or, or Eau Claire then you know you're really in trouble. You took a really wrong turn, some, turn someplace. As long as we see the signs of his coming, Jesus says there will be these things, and they may be troubling, and they may be suffering, but as long as we see them, they're a reminder to us, Jesus is coming. Jesus calls these things in our text the beginning of signs. In the Greek there, that's the beginning of labor pain. And so when the labor pains begin, though that might be painful. I don't know. I've never had to deal with it myself. I assume it's painful. But it lets you know the child is coming. Again, it doesn't tell you how long. <clears throat> some, some women go into labor, go into the hospital, and they're out in a couple hours with a healthy baby, and others are in there a day or two. I looked it up. I Googled it on the Internet, and the longest, the, the lady who's been in labor, the longest was 75 days, apparently. That seems kind of hard to believe, but there's numerous articles saying, oh yeah, 75 days one, one woman was in labor. The labor pains don't necessarily tell you, again, how long, but it, they do tell you, okay, the child is coming. All these things that Jesus talks about here, wars and rumors of wars, political dissension, and we could add a lot of things to it, pandemics, right? All the problems that we see in this life around us, <coughs> Jesus says, don't be troubled. They may be difficult, they may cause suffering, but they're signs, that Jesus, they're a reminder that Jesus is coming. In Haggai, in the prophet Haggai, chapter 2, verse 6, we're told, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more it is a little while, and I will shake heaven and earth, the sea, and the dry land. Jesus prophesied, even in the Old Testament, that the coming of God is not going to be a quiet thing, but it's going to shake the earth. When we see these, these problems all around us, it's a reminder, Jesus is coming. When all these bad things happen, we are tempted to kind of pull out our hair and say, what's, what's wrong with this earth? What's going to happen to my children? What is this world coming to? But Jesus assures us in our text, do not be troubled. This just means that Jesus is coming. Jesus continues with more signs. You will be delivered up, father against child, child against father, brother against brother. With these words, Jesus reminds us that unfortunately, it's not just out there that there's going to be trouble, but that there's going to be trouble in here as well. In the church, in our families, there's going to be sin and dissension and fighting. In some ways, it's a lot easier to accept the troubles out there. At least, well, those are unbelievers. At least, well, that's their sin. 
But when we see dissension and strife and problems in the church and in our own family, that can be sometimes even more troubling. That can really make us stop and wonder, are we doing something wrong? In one of his books, C.S. Lewis uh, paints a picture of a man who is on the step, on the way to heaven. He's just kind of standing on the doorstep. I'm kind of simplifying the story here a bit, but he's just kind of standing on the doorstep to heaven. And before he goes in, however, another man whom he knows and despises goes in ahead of him. And the attitude of the first man is, well, if heaven is letting in people like that, well then, you know, I don't have anything to do with it. I, I don't want to be part of a place that would let in somebody like that. Instead of rejoicing that Jesus' forgiveness, that Jesus' blood covered even the sin of that man that the first man despises, is like, oh, no, no, that, this can't be heaven. This can't be the right way. And unfortunately, we can easily get derailed. We can easily get distracted. We can easily get on the wrong road in a similar manner. When we see strife and dissension and sin in the church, it's easy for us to think, well, this can't be right. Maybe you remember a time when you were driving, driving on the road someplace and you're like, this can't be right. I must have taken a wrong turn somewhere. And then it turned out you hadn't. You were on the right way. That's what Jesus is talking about here. When we see problems in the church or in our family, it's easy to think, well, this can't be the right way. There's got to be something wrong here. But Jesus tells us, no, these things are going to happen. It's unfortunate. It's not a good thing. We're not glad that we're sinners, but... We know that we are sinners, and Jesus has forgiven us. He tells us that these things are going to happen. Verse 13 reminds us that there will be much hatred, but, the last verse of our text, he who endures to the end shall be saved. In the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew records this same conversation that Jesus has with his disciples, but he gives us a little more detail. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 12 to 13, because lawlessness will abound, the love of money will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us straight out that, yeah, this is going to confuse a lot of people. Because they're going to see sin and lawlessness, because they're going to see hatred in other people, they're going to be diverted. Satan's going to accomplish his goal of leading them down the wrong path. They're going to give up on Jesus' coming. But Jesus has warned us beforehand. These things are going to happen. It doesn't mean you're on the wrong path. He who endures to the end shall be saved. It's unfortunate that <clears throat> we're sinners. It's unfortunate that the people around us are sinners too. Well, it's even more unfortunate is when we allow the sins of others, or more often, not even their sins, but our perception of their sin. You know, a lot of times they're not even really doing anything wrong, but it's just the way we see it. If we allow their sin or our perception of their sin to allow hatred and anger to grow in our hearts, then that becomes our sin. Unfortunately, we have a Savior who, who died for them and a Savior who died for us and can forgive even that sin of anger and hatred. Now, we are very richly blessed by our God here in this congregation. Over the last couple weeks, I've had occasion to talk to a couple different people, two of them pastors, and one of them was just a member of other churches. And all three of them told me that, well, in their church, they don't have any organist. 
They don't have anyone to play the music. I was thinking, well, how lucky we are. We have five talented musicians, probably even more than that, but five that are willing and talented enough to, to play for us in our service. And more than that, we have talented artists and some very gifted teachers for our school and some people who are very good with finances and many other talents. Some, some people are very good at growing things and are, are always out there watering the plants and taking care of the bushes. Many, many very talented people in our church. The Lord has richly blessed us. Even more than that, of course, he has richly blessed us with his word. But if you remember back to the Old Testament, you remember back to the book of Job, the person whom God most richly blessed was also the person who Satan most wanted to take down, wasn't it? Where God's blessing abounds, very often, there Satan and the demon's jealousy abounds as well. And Satan puts a lot of effort into attacking those very places. Unfortunately, we're sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. And unfortunately, sin and strife happen even amongst us. The important thing is to remember the forgiveness of our Lord Savior. The important thing is to, to forgive as we are forgiven and not allow Satan to derail us. Not to allow him to get in our minds and convince us that, oh well, if there's strife, oh that must not be the right way. The church is full of sinners, but Jesus died for them all. These things must happen, but Jesus is coming. Through wars and earthquakes and fires, Jesus is coming. Through sin and anger and hatred, Jesus is coming. In the midst of troubles and loneliness and sickness and, and even pandemics, Jesus is coming. In forgiveness, Jesus is coming. Forgiveness for you and forgiveness for me. Jesus is coming. We don't know how long, and we, like little children, often ask, how much longer? And in fact, the scriptures encourage us. How much longer? In the saints uh, in heaven cry out to, the, to God the Father, how much longer? And Jesus doesn't give us an answer. But we do know that he is coming. And he has given us signs to remind us that Jesus is coming. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.